Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, the rebirth of the private cloud with CTO of Verge.io, Greg Campbell. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, Darren. Glad to be here. Hey, we had an opportunity to talk um, well, about a month ago is when we first talked. I was enamored with uh, with uh, your your team and what you've done. Greg, tell uh, tell my audience a little bit about yourself and uh, and why you are where you are. Sure. So I'm a I've been uh, developing software since uh, I was a kid in the Commodore 64 days and oh yeah, <laughs> pretty much never stopped coding. <laughs> Almost a daily thing since then. Um, worked on a lot of different projects, from you know 3D gaming engines to communications to database engines and web servers and encryption and all sorts of different things. Uh, I was working in some uh, writing public safety software for you know 911 and computer aided dispatch. Um, then uh, broke off and started my own company, and uh, it was I wrote the some interoperable communication software. So kind of solving some of the problems that were exposed during 9-11 where police can't talk to fire, can't talk to, um, you know, everyone has different radio systems, different communication methods, and none of them can talk to each other. So I came up with a software and hardware solution to solve that problem and uh, built that company up and uh, had a successful uh, exit with that. Um, and. Uh, after that, I, I worked for the company the boss for a couple of years and did some other other things with them and parking systems and fire truck systems and um, and then uh, I started a, another company after that with the the goal of building a um, a vertical search engine from scratch and so this was probably 2008 ish uh, when I, when I started that one and. Uh, it was, a, it was a real interesting project because, you know, I go into this thinking, you know, the search engine and, and the algorithms and, the, and all that's going to be the hard part, right? And it ended up 80% of my time was spent with everything other than that. It was, it was really <laughs> this, this infrastructure problem. And, you know, it's, you know, you got billions and billions of records that you need to search, uh, you know, uh, to get millions of results. Thousands at simultaneously, each coming back in, in a quarter millisecond, and you know you, you can't buy a big enough server to do that. So you need lots of servers. And I kind of found myself back looking at, at you know thinking of the old PC days and and what the the hardware abstraction layer did to development. You know, and and I, it was kind of like you know we're, we're missing that here. I'm finding I'm too, too much of my code. Is very specific to to the hardware servers together, and and yeah. you know, and there really needs to be some some level of abstraction, right? And so it kind of started to give me some of the, some of the, the, the base ideas. Um, and you know, I spent so much time building stitching storage together, and you know, because the traditional fan and, and the um, approaches at that time just it doesn't work well in this sort of um, you know, applications, large scale um, thing. And, and at the time, any, you know, Google or anybody else that was doing this, a lot of that stuff was very proprietary. There just, there weren't a lot of 
good tools. Um, so that, that gave the idea for, uh, at the time, what became um, Yadavite. So started a company, Yadavite, and uh, really started off focusing on, on the storage problem and being able to just take a bunch of inexpensive drives, throw them in some, some chassis, stitch it together, but, but really with the goal of presenting it all as one thing. So I can, I can write software to this one thing and not worry about what was underneath the hood. And, and I had the, the, the vision of expanding upon, you know, past that to include computing and memory and networking and kind of all of that. And that kind of gave birth to, uh, to, to Yadabyte, which uh, more recently became uh, Verge.io. So it's really interesting because I got a demo of Yadabyte back in 2009, I think, at Supercomputing. Yeah, and I was blown away with uh, your architecture, and I thought, hey, this is a company to 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 look at, especially in the high performance computing realm, where um, data was disjoint and everything. And you guys had a uh, a way of addressing a yottabyte of data. I mean, no one was doing that at that time. Yeah. It was I was just like blown away, and yeah, then that, that was sort you know fun. I the find you guys as Verge.io, and you're still around. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The company, you know, name was Yadavite. So, you know, when I was architecting the, the design for it, I'm like, well, it, it has to be able to address a Yadavite storage. Otherwise, <laughs> we can't be called that. Yeah, no, what I found compelling with, with, with you guys is you extended beyond the software-defined storage. And you, frankly, you guys were one of the first ones that did software-defined storage. No one was even talking about it back in that time. And you guys really kind of blazed the way for that. And you see other people that have done software-defined storage now. But back in that day, I mean, no one was talking about it. But you found really quickly that you also needed compute and network as well. You couldn't just do one one of the uh, pillars of software-defined infrastructure. Right. And, and really, the key here is that you know, even, even today, the, when, when people are solving these problems, it, it's, they're still taking a bunch of things and trying to stitch them together and make them work together, right? And so it's, it's millions of lines of code across all sorts of different uh, components that, that weren't necessarily designed to do what they are now. They're more general purpose components that were, were you know, like Lego boxes and trying to figure them all together here. And, you know, when, when I designed the storage layer, it, it was built for this purpose. I wrote, you know, file system from scratch. We wrote, I mean, to, to pull this off, we actually we, we designed our own programming language. We wrote our own database engines from scratch. We have our own web servers from scratch. We have our own uh, mesh network uh, networking fabric to, to connect things together. We we went into the development of this with the the golden rule that hardware is going to fail, and you know and, and we have to expect the worst of it. And um, you know we're we're not tying it into any specific piece of hardware. Um, so the, the software needs to do everything, and I mean, we've we've you know, a lot of the development was just going through all the different spectacular ways that, that hardware can fail, from you know bad firmware <laughs> updates. Well, to, as a hardware you know, vendor, hardware never fire. fails. <laughs> I I don't know what you're talking about, Greg. Hardware exactly. spinning drives they never go out. <laughs> so you know, so simplicity was really the key. It was I like that. Know, Going down to the lowest level, building just what we need, just for this purpose of, with you know, and our ultimate goal was to build virtual, to virtualize the entire data center. So it's not just a bunch of pieces that stitch together to make a singular private cloud. It was you know we were looking at 
yeah, much the same way you, you go into VMware and you hit start and you run AVM, we wanted to be able to go in, assign resources, hit start, and a virtual data center appears. I, I was right there when OpenStack started, which was a, a big group of private or uh, open source projects just crammed together and said, all right, guys, make it all look like one. And all they did was put lipstick on it, basically. They just put a nice UI on the front right. end. But on the back end, it was a bear to stand up. It was... 100%. And, yeah, and VMware is the same way, right? It grew over time. Um, where they were stitching individual products together. So your your approach was top-down, virtualized, full data center, not just a hypervisor, not just storage, not just network, but the whole thing together. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, it's one thing to, to present a simplified user interface, a simplified user experience, which is what we see. But if, if everything underneath that is not simple, you're going to have problems. It might work when everything's perfect, but as soon as the world starts to fall apart, you have a power failure, you've got a hardware failure, you've got a, you know, one P component got updated when a different one didn't get updated. I mean, there's all sorts of things that, that, that happen. Um, and, and even outside of the reliability aspect, you've, there's countless security issues that can come into play when you have all these different things that weren't necessarily designed to be together, and then you, you interface them together, you know, it, I, I like to you know, look at it like, like a house versus the, a neighborhood or a city. And, and it's, you know, if everything's in the same house, I don't need as many windows and doors and, you know, entry points, right? And, and this was all built from the ground up for this purpose. It's simple at the lowest level, you know, which means, you know, less security issues, seamless you know, updates and upgrades. I mean, we, we treat it like a firmware. It's very, very lightweight, um, you know, and uh, it's, it, it, it does a lot for, you know, the reliability aspects, especially, again, you know, with us going the route of assuming everything's going to fail and the software needs to take care of everything. But it's, it's, a, it, it's a huge difference, you know, from, from a supporting aspect and, and, and even just the management aspect. So our, our goal has always been that, you know, the, the target users of this, this system are IT generalists. We, we don't need network experts. We don't need SAN experts. We don't need programmers, you know, to operate this. It's an IT generalist. And, and we believe we've succeeded at that. So I have, a, I have a question around that. I mean, most people listening to the show are moving to public cloud. Um, so why, why would I even do a private cloud with you guys over public cloud? What are the benefits that you guys see with a private cloud over public cloud? Yeah, and there, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of scenarios. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say that you should never go to the public cloud and there's never a use case for that. There absolutely is. Um, but I think what we've seen you know, is that a lot of people moved to the public cloud maybe for the wrong reasons. You know? um, it, you know, it's, they saw that simplicity, and a lot of the move happened because of developers, and developers you know, not getting along with IT. And, and yeah, or, shadow or, IT, or, right? right? That's why it happened. And, yeah, you go through all the red tape and hurdles, and it's like, well, wait a minute, I could just pop into here, and I don't need an IT staff, and it, and it just works, and I can manage it myself. Um, and and, and that, that was kind of the wrong reason to go to the public cloud, it, and, and because at the time, 
the management and, and just the stitching together and complexity um, made it too big of a, of a deal. You know, if I needed more resources, I go to IT and it's like I wait six to nine months for them to figure yeah, something out exactly. and, then, and then I go. So, you know, we are presenting it in such, we're giving you that same experience that you might get from a public cloud in, in that simplicity, the self-service, the, you know, uh, the agility. So I can now go to IT and say, hey, I need an environment. And within seconds, you know, here's your resources, go. And then either IT can manage that or they can hand me the keys and say, here you go. Here's your private secure enclave. Do whatever you want with it. Self-management. You don't have to keep asking every time you want a new VM. I've restrained your, your resources. Do what you want. Um, and, and then I'm not paying, I'm not being nickel-dimed on, on every little piece of, of what I'm operating. I'm not paying per IOP anymore. I'm not paying for egress and, 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 uh, and everything else. Um, you know, so there's a huge cost benefit there. There's also, you know, the data gravity problem as well. You know, a lot of people, you know, you move a lot to the cloud and then you, you realize how much more now you're relying on, on networks and just where is my data stored versus where I need it. Um, you know, so having a private cloud, you know, it, it keeps things closer to where, uh, um, you know, the data is being generated. Um, I think, you know, we, we, Throughout computing time, we've, we've seen a lot of this, this ebb and flow from, you know, client-server models to, you know, uh, back to thick and, um, you know, and, and the pendulum, pendulum keeps swinging, right? And uh, I, I think, you know, we're, we're generating so much data in general, you know, across the board at the edge that, you know, we're going to start to see a lot more that needs to be closer to where, where the data is being generated. And the cloud is not necessarily the best place for that. Um, you know, there's only so fast we can go. Physics can only allow things to go um, so quick. So if we can get that same agility, security, everything, all the benefits that you see out of the public cloud, but we can allow you to run that, operate it at the edge and, and not have to hire a team of PhDs to, to operate it, I, you know, we, we believe that's a, that's a huge benefit. All right, so so the reason people moved was ease of use, mostly developers. I was I was totally guilty of that myself, right? Credit right. card, I can spin up ten thousand instances. Yeah, it's, easy. it's easy. So it's what? Simple. So you've you've tackled the easy part, right? I could do it on prem. The other one that you mentioned was cost. Now a lot of people say, well, look, I I have no capex cost at the beginning um, of when I use the cloud, right? I can spin up. A thousand instances, and it's only going to cost me ten dollars for an hour. I can't. I can't have a thousand boxes sitting in my data center, right? At at that cost, but the cost is exorbitant over time. And you mentioned egress. This is a big, huge problem that a lot of my uh, customers run into. They're like, I had no idea egress cost was going to just kill me, right? And it right. ingress is free. Right. <laughs> Bring your data to me. Right. Bring it all. Yeah. So you, you guys kind of you can handle that because you can stitch together um, lots of data sources together up to a Yoda byte of data. That, that's just mind blowing still. But so. Yeah. So and, the and cost is, is, is that why you're seeing people come back from public cloud back to private? Well, the cost, the cost is absolutely a big component. I think, you know, same, same you did. You pop it on your credit card, it's 50 bucks a month, you don't think too much of it, and then all of a sudden, you know, things start to scale out, you go to production, 
and all those little costs that, that, that added up to a little before are now, you know, they're harder to predict and, and it's very, very easy for those costs to get out of hand. And at that point, you're also kind of stuck. I mean, the more you get pulled into to an ecosystem, it's, it's that much harder to get out and you're kind of beholden at that point. You know, and, and you're giving up a lot of control as well. I mean, you know, unless you're a, a, a huge company, you know, um, you have a problem, something, something's going on in, a, in that environment. I mean, you can call, but you kind of just, you got to wait, you know, there's not too much you can do. You don't have a lot of control over, you know, issues that might pop up. And there's, there's, there's a lot more options now. I think that people don't realize it's not, it's not just about, you know, Hey, I got to go buy, you know, make it this large CapEx, uh, you know, ex expenditure to, you know, build out a data center with AC units. And yes, that's an option. And for a lot of people that makes sense if you have enough volume, but there's other alternatives as well. I mean, you know, it's, you could go and get rent out bare metal servers, for example, and still say, I don't want to deal with hardware. I don't want to swap drives. I don't want to do any of that. You go rent out bare metal hardware for a fraction of the cost of what a public cloud might get to, throw our software on it, and now you have a, you have a build private. your own Amazon. Build your own, yeah. you know, right? And, and it's to whatever scale, you ebb and flow, it's scale out, scale up, scale down. Um, and, and it works on a, on a wide variety of uh, commodity hardware. So very, very configurable. When you guys are out there selling your solution, um, what's the big hook? What what are people like? Hey, I need your stuff because what's what's their concern? What problem are you solving that that they migrate to you guys? So there's yeah, there's a couple couple angles. You know, uh, one we have a lot of service providers that you know they're they have a, a customer base that they need to manage their workloads for them. They traditionally were they used to do it the old way. They would you know get co-location space build out, you know, SANs and virtualization, you know, lots of IT staff to manage them and run them. Then they started to see the public cloud erode some of that, some of their customers moving there, others having to try to embrace it and say, okay, we'll put you there too. But then, you know, they give up a ton of margin as well when they, when they do that. So we're able to go to them and say, hey, now we can, we can give you the similar experience that they were going to get you get the same ease of, of what it would have been managing the public cloud and don't have to do deal with what you were doing before, but you get your margin back. It's, it's just as easy, it's more powerful, and you get to make more money, right? So that's, that's one uh, you know, subset of, of the people that, that you know, deploy this. Um, we're also seeing uh, some use cases that, that are just very difficult to even do with other software. So our, our nested tenancy model um, and what we do on the storage for deduplication and um, at the lowest levels of our file system enable you to do, to do some really cool stuff. So one, one of the use cases, uh, for example, University of Michigan is a, a very large customer of ours. Uh, they have a very large on-prem deployment, uh, you know, thousands of cores, petabytes of data, running um, and they do a lot of uh, research projects off of this. So this was a scenario where, you know, it, it, you know, when we kicked this off, they came to us with, hey, we got thousands of researchers. They, they, get, a, they get grant money. They need an environment. It needs to be, you know, HIPAA compliant or full, you know, CUI compliancy. 
every time they ask for this, it's six to nine months to get hardware, deploy it, install it, certify it, go through the whole process, right? And what we were able to do is go in there and build out this environment. And now anytime somebody wants an environment, they hit a button, it, it creates a virtual enclave, they hand it to them, it's already compliant, full certification, ready to go, and within minutes, they're, they're up and running. Now, these are all completely encapsulated and isolated. They're very, very secure enclaves, and you can get this, this nested tenancy model. So in a larger organization like that, I can say, all right, here's, I'm going to carve out resources. You're getting 300 cores. Yeah, they allocate hardware to specific groups. Yeah, I've seen that. And then, I, yeah, I hand it to the hospital. Now, they could have their own IT staff managing that environment and carving up and say, okay, here's this researcher, or here's test versus dev versus you know uh, production. I could then say, and with our snapshotting, so we're not just looking at snark storage. This isn't just snapshots of your VMs. It's all your networking, all your user management, you know, your, um, we, cause we, we manage the entire stack. You, you literally could take our software, put it on bare metal, plug your carriers in and we run everything. BGP, authoritative DNS, all your firewall and rules, your VPN. So the, the, this is really interesting because you mentioned I'm snapshotting my data center. I'm not snapshotting a VM or right. a set of VMs. So this is really interesting because what this, I my brain is like going, wait, I can do a lot of really interesting things. Like you mentioned, I have a, a snapshotted data center that's HIPAA compliant. Wow, right? right? Drop a new yeah. one in, I'm done, right? Yeah. Or I need a snapshot of my running environment. I have um, a business continuity and disaster recovery built in. Is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it's and it's the snapshot of an encapsulated virtual representation. Meaning, I can now yeah. pick this up, move it over to a completely different hardware architecture, different switches, different every different doesn't matter whatever hardware, and it's still going to work exactly the way it did when it was over there. Which you know, test and dev means. Hey, we got this issue in production. Okay, well, instead of having QA try to reproduce it, you know, reinstall just snapshot it. Like, well, it. Install <laughs> order. Yeah, just boom, fire it up. Now it is the exact isolated version of production. Or, you know, you get ransomware. It goes through it. It's like two seconds later, I can fire. Yeah, you know, there, there's so many applications. Hour by hour, you know, snapshots of it. Yeah. Now, now how, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. You said hour by hour snapshots. I mean, how big are these snapshots? How much? Spaces it, are these taking up? It's purely the differentials. The, the, the way our file. Oh, so you're you're only are, snapshotting the differences. Yeah, and, and and there's more to it than that. So the 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 engine under the hood. This is not deduplication added onto an existing file system, which is the kind of thing you see out there. You know, even even snapshots a lot of times are you know there's some file systems that might have some snapshotting built into them, but we are we're not only taking you know, a lot of snapshots. It's you're you're looking up the differentials of the data, but you, there's still metadata. And a lot of times, you know, even if I want to take a snapshot or take a clone or a copy uh, of an environment, it's still copying out the metadata and meta tables that, that went with that. So there's still a little bit of time to restore or do whatever um, and extra data that you're using. Well, our deduplication is built at such a low level that even the metadata is deduplicated which means 
I can take a snapshot of this entire environment. I don't care if it's 10 petabytes. I can make a clone copy of it in under 30 milliseconds. That's incredible. Now I have a copy done. And the differentials for that now are, are truly only what has actually changed between the two. So I could, I could take them as granular as, as I want. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be hourly. And, and not only are we doing that at the, the local, at local cluster level, but we also have a global, it's globally dedupe aware. So if now if I'm taking that and synchronizing it to another location, um, it's utilizing that same engine to get those differentials. So even, you know, a lot of even replication services still have to walk the meta to say, what has changed from, from A to B? And, you know, for small files, not a big deal, but when you're dealing with hundreds of terabytes, you know, that, that the metadata alone is still gigs upon gigs of data that have to go across just to do that. Whereas we could, I could replicate an entire environment in, in seconds, petabytes, you know, it's not a lot changed. You guys created a virtual cloud. Yeah, yeah, right. Right, I mean, right. I mean when, when you think about it, right? Because you're telling me that my data center, my which it's, you know, whatever you want to call it, my data center now can migrate around. It can go in a public cloud, stay on a private cloud. I can even drop it, you know, into a co-location center. Absolutely. So this gives me, as a, as a business owner, a lot more flexibility in negotiating price and performance of hardware. I can upgrade hardware with, with virtually no downtime. I mean, right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's meant to be right because I can stand up a new rack of. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'll say prod. Everything's in line. I mean, the system never shuts down. I mean, you you could even go through entire hardware refresh cycles and never have downtime. That's you incredible. Know, yeah, absolutely. And and because the the software is so lightweight, it it was it it, it scales up and down equally. So you can well, scale up to, you know, these large environments, but you could also scale down and run this on a pair of, you know, small, you know, atoms or, uh, you know, Intel atoms or ZNDs or something, you know, put a two of them real lightweight, a couple of grand a piece, throw them in a, you know, in a, in a plant or a, a retail location and have the entire virtual data center experience at the edge as well where I can, I could build out these virtual data centers and then just start deploying them everywhere and manage them, you know, centrally. That's, that's pretty cool. And if that's that. there, you just, you know, swap it out. Yeah, and that's happening. micro cloud, micro cloud technology. I mean, this is something a lot of my customers want. They want a micro cloud. You know, it's a, maybe it's a, a one, one unit, a couple Xeon Ds or some Nooks sitting right. out there running some edge stuff, but they still want the flexibility of the private of a cloud. Like, hey, I can deploy right. applications, I can do whatever I want, right, and manage, which brings up another question we talked about before. If I have all these virtual clouds out there, I'm assuming you have a way of managing multiple clouds then, or multiple data centers, right? Is is, is that in your in your stack too, where, hey, maybe I've got... 10 different um, data center images or data center, I don't know, virtual data centers. Right, um, yeah, can I yeah. now manage those as, as you know? 
a single pane of glass or anything like that? Or how does that yeah. work? Yeah, you can. And, and that's actually, now, now this, now we're getting into some roadmap stuff. So that, that is actually one of the, the next things we are expanding on is we're going to, we are building out our, you know, multi-cloud, um, you know, a- aggregation software um, to take, kind of take that to the next level. We've got some stuff now, you know, part of the issue is you want to centralize single point. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of building this so that the management layer itself can also, you know, kind of exist in multiple spots and float around so that you truly right. have never downtime, even of the super manager. Um, you know, so there's a lot of stuff we're doing in that to also, you know, sexy that up a little bit. Uh, but that is one of the next big ones we're, we're really uh, working on right now is to, to flesh that out. We have some capabilities now for, for the multi-site management, but um, there's a lot we want to add to that as well. To, you know, um, th- this is really fascinating stuff. I Because to me, you're really, you're making it much easier to actually do private cloud. Because, I mean, t- today to deploy a full stack of private cloud takes days, right? Whether it's OpenStack and, or whether it's the VMware suite. Um, if, if I want a full, a full thing, it, it takes a couple days to get everything set up. Um, and with you guys, it sounds like it's much simpler. I can just yeah, deploy yeah. your software it's, and assign. It's, it's, yeah, the, the software, yeah. So the, the whole software is actually deployed as a firmware. So um, it's not... It's not something that's being installed, running through update cycles and configuring files. It's, it gets flashed as a firmware, and then you boot it up, and then there you have your user interface, and now you can, you know, in the UI, you can set up your networks and do what you want. I mean, it really takes about 15 minutes to get it up and running. And then after that, as you're adding additional nodes, scaling out, um, you can even have it set up to, to pixie boot them, so you don't even have to put any media in them. You just pixie yeah, boot just pixie boot off. On it auto-configures itself. Yeah. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, can can because it's software or, or firmware, can it run on other virtual infrastructure? Like in like um, in the cloud, like in the public cloud, or do well, I need it, bare metal? It, 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 that's going to be the you're going to get the best bang for the buck if if you run it on bare metal. You okay. know, even if that's in a public cloud, you know you can go and get bare metal servers. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can wherever and, and run it on there, and that's where you're going to get the best bang for your buck because. We we are we're we're managing the hardware at the lowest level for it. So we're we're talking directly to the drives. We're not you know when you when you deploy us, we don't we don't want RAID cards. We don't want we don't want anything touching and managing you know the, the the storage or the hardware. We want to talk directly to it and control the whole experience. So you know we're dealing with the encryption. We're dealing with you know all the bit rot and silent corruption detection. We're guaranteeing all that integrity that's going to happen now. You could certainly layer something, put something below us, but then you're you're, you're just doubling up on efforts and kind of paying right. twice, you know. Right. Uh, very 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 cool stuff, um, uh, Greg. And I'm glad to see that Yotabyte continues forward. I love I, you know, I loved your architecture, 12, 13 years ago, and <laughs> I, it's great to see that it's expanding and. Um, uh, very, very well thought out. So, uh, Greg, thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me, Darren. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.